The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the... The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We all have those thoughts that will not die. Along with many other thought distractions, these can keep us from thinking clearly and focusing on what we desire and who we can be. This is Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. What if you could learn to command the power of thought and make the laws of the universe work in your favor? It can be done, and it just takes some adjustments to become a thought genius. Now, here is your host, Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin. Hi, and welcome to this uh, week's uh, fabulous episode of Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. I am really excited today because of the uh, the two guests we have, uh, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here, uh, co-founders of the uh, Access Consciousness. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, you really should look into it because it is something truly amazing, and we're going to spend uh, this show talking about uh, what those things mean. Let me introduce you a little bit to uh, uh, to both of them. Uh, uh, Gary Douglas is a best-selling author. He's an international speaker. He's a, a very sought-after uh, facilitator. Um, he's uh, known for his intensity of awareness. You know, whatever that happens to be, um, but but he really does have an intensity of awareness. His incredible capacity to facilitate people to know what they know. Uh, and, and I love that that idea and that concept because uh, helping to awaken people. He uh, chooses to embody consciousness in everything that he does and inspires others to choose to become more conscious as a result of that. So he's recognized in the capacity to be uh, more aware, more conscious, uh, than, uh, that that's everybody's gift if they are willing to choose it. Uh, Dr. Dane here is a uh, best-selling author also and an internationally renowned speaker, facilitator of consciousness and change. And for over 14 years now, uh, uh, Dr. Here has been inviting people worldwide to embrace their true greatness and uh, people from every culture, country, age, and social strata of the society. And uh, Dr. Here was originally uh, trained as a chiropractor and he has a uh, completely uh, different uh, approach now to healing by facilitating people uh, so that they can tap into and recognize their own abilities and knowing. So that's quite a big introduction, and we have uh, want to welcome you guys to the show today. I'm just brimming over with enthusiasm. Thanks, Dr. Fannin. That's awesome. Yeah, we're happy and honored to be here with you. Yeah, so um, maybe we can start off with um, talking about who you guys are and, and how, how did you get here? Uh, so you want to just uh, 
jump in, each of you, tell you a little bit of your story, and we'll start a dialogue with that. Okay. Well, it's like for me, it's like, you know, as a kid, I looked around the world and I went, why are people doing this? Because this doesn't work and this is crazy. And I came in with the point of view, it's like, you know what, I got to figure out how to live here in something that doesn't seem totally insane. Because every time I turned around, what people were choosing was insane from my point of view as a kid. And so I spent my entire life trying to find the truth, find what was true, find out what could change things. And as you know, as a 10-year-old, I used to take my little sister's hand and walk off to Sunday school every you know Sunday and I would I would go there and I'd watch these people and they'd be glad handing people on Sunday and screwing them on Monday and I go wait a minute how can you say that you love somebody on on Sunday and then screw them on Monday and that be true both be true I just couldn't get it funny part about it was I did that for about three years then I quit Sunday school but years later, when I was in college, I met a lady who'd been a Sunday school teacher, and she remembered me, which I thought was odd. And she said, you're Gary, aren't you? And I go, yeah, why? And she goes, you were a kid who came looking for something that you didn't find. And I hope whatever it was you were searching for, whatever it is you're searching for, you will find it. Just don't give up. And it's like that was sort of the greatest advice I think at the time I was 20, and I have never given up because it's like I'm always looking for what is really true. And the thing about that which is true is it always makes you feel light. That which is a light always feels heavy. So that's kind of my story in a vignette form. And then he went and created this thing called Access Consciousness 25 years ago that... Uh, you know, he was looking for the the possibilities for what could be created because what was out there didn't seem to be enough. And for me, 16 years ago, I got to a place in my chiropractic office, in my relationship, in my life, in my world, where I was like, you know what? I am so tired of being unhappy and waking up, up unhappy. And I said, universe, either my life changes or I'm out of here. And I came across an ad for Access Consciousness. And I had been doing self-help for the last several years and it would help for a few days and then I would go back to the same miserable place I was and so I saw this ad for access and I resisted it at first in fact I got really angry because the ad said all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory and I was like oh right you have no idea what my life is like my life is pain suffering and gory go away uh, but I ended up calling the girl and and having a session something called access consciousness bars and she put her hands on my head to do this process. There's these 32 points on the head. And she put her hands on my head, and I started giggling like a little kid. And I didn't stop for the entire hour and 15 minutes of the session. And I got up an hour and 15 minutes later and looked out at the sky. And I remember looking around going, has it always been this beautiful here? And I never contemplated killing myself again. And that was the beginning of... of knowing that there was something different possible with these access consciousness tools, well, we, little unbeknownst to me, the person that was running my bars who had done this first session on me was Gary's stepdaughter. Her name is Shannon. And after about three weeks of doing this, I said, where did this come from? This stuff is amazing. And she said, oh, 
my dad created it. And I was like, what? I'm like, holy crap, where does he live? She said, oh, here in Santa Barbara. And I was like, I want to meet him. And I said that every week for three months until he finally called for a session in my office. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. You know, I, I want to share with everybody how uh, I met you two. Uh, I have a friend, uh, Greg Reed, and his wife, Alan, and uh, they do this thing called uh, uh, the Secret Knock. And he would have me in doing uh, presentations in Secret Knock, what I call uh, brain magic from the stage. And so we would project people's brains up on there and show them how they can change uh, belief systems, you know, in an instant kind of thing. And uh, he invited me to, to one, uh, what, eight, nine months ago, something like that. And uh, when I was checking in and Alan Reed was there, uh, she was so excited. She was just talking, you know, a mile a minute. Oh, you, you, you've got to meet Gary and Dane, and, and, and you need to do uh, some brain maps on these this thing called the bars. And, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, I'll do that, you know. And uh, that's, that's where it kind of started the whole thing, and we did the, uh, the brain maps on uh, people there. And, uh, Sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. Every, everybody is reaching for their cell phone now. <laughs> well, I have this weird thing where it rings on my computer, too, and I'm like, surprise. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. We've all been there, done that, had the, have the T-shirt. So. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, I we set it up and uh, measured uh, a couple of people having their bars run, and I had never heard of the bars, didn't know what it was, and, you know, uh, and I think I have done brain maps on people doing just about everything, but but not the bars. And so we did that, and uh, then I was supposed to speak about that, you know, whatever we found the next morning, like at 8 o'clock. By the time I got back to the hotel after dinner and so forth, it was kind of late and a long day, and I was kind of tired, and I thought, all right, um, I do better working early in the morning. So I set my alarm, got up about two o'clock and uh, started processing this data and you know by three o'clock I'm staring at this information going oh my goodness I don't believe what I'm seeing and I would try to explain it away well it must be this must be that and uh, so I processed it in every possible form that I could and the message was still coming through the same that this was incredible change that was happening and then you know we I talked about it uh, uh, the next, uh, at 8 o'clock, got up on stage in, in front of about 200, 250 people and was telling them the story of this. And that's kind of where you and I uh, first met was, you know, when we uh, revealed that. But I was so intrigued by it that that same afternoon, I said, okay, now I want the subjective experience of this. Uh, you know, I, I see the scientific measure of this. I'm just fully intrigued. I want to experience it now. So they had somebody uh, that gave me an hour and a half session of, of the bars. And we've got some great pictures of me laying in this chair with this great smile on my face, just just lounging back. And just uh, it was really nice. But but I kept getting these images that would come up like this blue screen that out in front of me, a rectangle. And, you know, I would see some uh, people there or you know, clouds in the sky, or and then that would fade away, and all this stuff was coming and going, and so there was, I knew there was some sort of energy transfer that was happening, 
And but I didn't really care. It was so pleasant. It was just like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do this every day. And uh, when I was done, the the clarity that I felt for, in fact, I don't think it's left, but the the amount of clarity in my life was just amazing. And um, and so I was really, really intrigued with all of that, and that kind of started us off on, on a journey here. And, you know, I've read many of your books, and all of them are the kind that you can't put down. And uh, in there, one of the central themes that comes up a lot is ask and you shall receive. What's that all about? Well, well, I know. It's like, you know, it's like the thing is that a question empowers the universe to help us. And we think we have to come up with an answer, but the universe knows way more than we do. And so when you ask a question, you actually open the door to a greater level of awareness than when you try to come to conclusion or answer or justification or any of that. And it's so interesting, you know, it's like I love when you said you just felt you know, relaxed and pleasant. That's like when I'm having a bad day, I go, Dane, can you run my bars? I'm a cranky pants. You know, my, <laughs> my knickers are in a knot. I need to get them unknotted. And uh, it's amazing how much change can occur with that. But the main thing is, it's like when you truly ask a question without intending to get a specific answer, the universe will show you things that you never realized were possible and give you gifts that, You've always known should be, but nobody ever showed you how to have them. And that, to me, is the greatest gift that access is all the time because I see more people change with, you know, bars and the other processing that we do. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing, always. Yeah, I I can't believe the amount of change that's happened in my life as a result of uh, some of that stuff. Uh, in fact, uh, there's another phrase in uh, in your books that your point of view creates your reality. Your reality does not create your point of view. And one thing that I've learned in neuroscience is where you focus your energy or where you put your focus, that's where your energy is. So um, that concept of how your reality gets created um, you know, from my neuroscience perspective, I understand things like if you have a thought, whether it's a wanted thought or an unwanted thought, it doesn't matter. Uh, but if you hold that thought for 17 seconds, what it, there is a vibrational aspect to that thought. And if you hold that for 17 seconds, the uh, law in physics says that other energy that is like that will be attracted to it. So then you continue to have a number of thoughts um, that are are coming to you that are of the same type, whether they're wanted or unwanted. If you hold that for 68 seconds, then we understand that now it has amassed enough energy that it it is not only flowing through the energy field, but now it can affect particle matter. And that's how we begin to create our reality. And so I, I really have a, maybe a different perspective of your point of view creates your reality uh, versus your reality does not create your point of view. Um, from you guys' perspective, uh, and 
you have to forgive me because when people ask me what time it is, I usually tell them how to build a watch. So I got, <laughs> got a little bit into that. Well, from my perspective, what you're saying is exactly what we are saying, just with a, a more scientific kind of you know, acumen connected to it. Because it's like literally, it's like you think about something and eventually that becomes reality. And it's not that reality creates your point of view. It's like really your point of view creates your reality. And it's how people validate everything in their lives. I am equals I am, but is you am or is you ain't? It's all choice. And what's what's the am you're choosing in the moment? You know, it's like if you know if you can imagine one of those days where you wake up happy and on top of the world, and somebody says I love you, you're like, oh man, I love you too, and you can totally receive it. Yet if you wake up on one of those days where it feels like the south end of a northbound elephant is sitting on your head, somebody says I love you, and you're just as likely or not to say, you know what. F you or, you know, not receive it at all. And so it's the point of view that you're functioning from that ends up creating the reality and the results that show up in your life. And I think we know this intuitively, but we don't want to believe it. We keep wanting to believe the world happens to us instead of we have a chance to happen to the world. Yeah, I think that is probably a good perspective for a lot of people is we don't realize that we are the co-creators in all of this and uh, that we are creating our own reality and life isn't just happening to us. We are in the process of creating that. So I want to carry on some of this uh, conversation uh, a little bit more. But uh, first of all, uh, let's uh, take a short break here. Uh, You're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll be right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Dieta Jones, and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Yeah, we're back uh, with my guests, uh, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Um, and we've been discussing the principle of ask and you shall receive. So that is, you know, it is such a very simple sentence. And is it really that simple to actually ask and receive? Well, I think it must be because, you know, it's like when it's simple, I can do it. When it's complex, I can't. <laughs> True story. If you've ever seen him try to use a computer, you know that is true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like we, we just have a new, uh, you know, new internet connection thing that we're doing, and they want to test it. And I said, okay, I'll test it because the one person in the world who will probably never be able to make it work would be me. So if I can use it, we know it's correct. So yeah. he's our test subject for I'm the uh, test dummy, the brand new person. So. When you ask it, is it that simple? On the one hand, yes. On the one hand, no. Because what's happened is, as you know, Dr. Fannin, we've been conditioned over so many years to only accept certain, if you want to look at it neurally, neuropathways that we create and sort of embed in our world as though that's the only source for our reality. And so what happens is what we found is you any for anything you judge or anything you decide, Nothing that doesn't match that judgment or that decision can come into your world or even into your awareness because you have excluded it with your judgment. So is it that simple? Yes. And yet most people have judged what receiving is, that they can't receive, that they have to do a lot of work first, that receiving can't be easy. And and so they have so many points of view that get in the way of the ease of receiving. And if you don't believe that, look at how little kids are. They'll receive anything, even falling down on the ground, whereas an adult would be like, ow, you know, oh, my God, you know. And a kid falls down, and if you don't make a trauma and trauma about it, you know, if you say, hey, did you break the cement? And they look down and they go, no. Then they run up and go play. That's how we (laughs) used to be. That's unfortunately not how we are anymore. Most of and it's us. funny when you ask a kid, did you break the cement? They look at and they go, no, and they get up and they don't get a bump on their head even. Yeah, it's pretty it's just, amazing, isn't it? It's just amazing, but it's like they have a simpler way of looking at life, and we try to make everything complex. You know, I, I, I do a lot of work with advanced meditators and, uh, and have consults with them, you know, over uh, go to meeting practically every day, talk to people all around the world. And when I look at these uh, patterns in their brain maps of uh, people who are doing well at uh, uh, meditating and then want to move to a higher level, and we start talking about, you know, two functions there, that one is about uh, 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 utilizing the principle of allowing, and the other is uh, surrendering. And so uh, when I talk to them about this, it's like, when people have an intention and they put the intention out there, many people kind of use that like a mantra. I want this, I want this, I want this. So they keep going over and over and over again. And I explain to uh, many of them that uh, the universe is not deaf. And so when you put your intention out there, it's about then implementing this 
uh, principle of allowing and um, getting out of your own way and allowing it to come to you instead of you chasing it. And then the second part is the surrendering. And as I connect the dots between uh, the books and, and so forth, when you surrender to what's going on, I, I'm thinking that that creates a state of receiving that you can't receive unless you're in that state where you're surrendering to uh, things that are happening. Is that? I, a- I would put it a little different because for me it's about if you can allow something to be what it is, then you don't become the effect of any part of it. Like, you know, when people walk on coals, they allow it to be that it's hot, but because they don't have the point of view that this is going to burn, it doesn't. And I personally had the experience of, you know, I was eating dinner and all of a sudden the fire alarm went off and it's like, I went, oh my God, and I ran into the kitchen and my wife had left something in the oven that was burning. So I opened the oven, reached in, grabbed the pan, put it on the top of the stove and went, oh, I forgot to put gloves on. But because I had no point of view about it, I was totally in allowance of whatever had to be done, had to be done. It's like literally I got no burns on my hands. Wow. That piece, that piece of glass was at 450 uh, degrees. It's like, okay, how does this happen? And I realized that if you're just in allowance of what is with no point of view at all, it's like, and the no point of view is sort of the criterion I would go for, which, you know, you could call it surrender, but surrender is the idea that you gave up. I don't think, first of all, I don't think anybody gives up very well. None of us give up well. You know, it's like you don't have a white flag that you carry around with you all the time, do you? I don't. You know, it's like I don't give up well, and surrender is about giving up. And it's like it's more about being present with what is. And so surrender for me would be more along the lines of what is this and what do I do with it and can I change it? And if so, how do I change it? And that is the, that's a different point of view. And for me, it's like, if you're an allowance of something, you're neither aligning and agreeing with the point of view nor resisting and reacting to it. But if you align and agree with the point of view, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to burn myself is, is, you know, is not, you know, it's like, it's not really the point of view, but it's like, if you pick something up and you have no point of view, then the likelihood of burning yourself is slim to none. Where if you had the point of view, oh my God, I could, this is so hot. It's like then you've aligned and agreed with the hot, then you have to create the result in your body. So that would be my way of putting it, but whatever. Yeah, easier said than done, though, I think, you know, that in that, that moment where you're grabbing the, uh, the pan out of the oven and, uh, and not having a point of view where that's that one, you know, microsecond of time where you just, you know, react to something. And then being able to make changes in your life to be in a place like that, you know, I I have to uh, tell you, Doctor here, that uh, the the book being you and changing the world has uh, really affected me. I, I you know I, I not only bought the uh, hard copy of the book, but I got the Kindle version, and I also have the audio version, <laughs> and I've listened to the audio book three times now. <laughs> And, that is uh, wonderful to hear. Thank you, Doctor Fannin. Yeah, well, and, and oh, I even I even made a gift of the book um, 
the audio book to each member of my staff so that, uh, you know, because there's so many great things in there. But uh, when you start thinking about change, um, it seems like you're either in one of two camps. A person is either uh, very reluctant to embrace change or uh, there are those who say, yeah, change, bring it on. Let let me have it right now. Um, what, what What's your take on why why pe- some people are very reluctant to change and, and some people, uh, they embrace it and they just go with it? Well, I think what happens is a lot of people have this point of view that if they change, they're going to lose something. That change in a lot of people's minds, I go back to, you know, when we were growing up and you know, which may or may not be the cause of it, but it, you can start to see it from this place where when you were a little kid and you saw your parents go through major changes that that you knew was something they called change occurring, a lot of times it was negative. You know, somebody losing a job or them getting a divorce or somebody dying. Those were the events that we often learned to associate with change because all the other changes were just the way life should be, where, you know, if you went somewhere and things got easier or they got a raise or something, they just got happier. We didn't associate that with change because as little kids, we knew that that lightness that those changes brought were just the way life should be. So we have this sort of negative association, if you will, with this thing called change because what we've seen over the course of our lives is the only time anybody talks about it and the only time anybody puts any energy on it is when it's negative, wrong, and bad. And so we have this idea that, you know, I'd, it's like one of the the concepts they talk about in psychology is the idea that people would rather, 90% of people would rather have a bad relationship than no relationship. So they'd rather stay in the bad relationship they're in than get out of it and create a change for fear that what comes after it'll be worse. And the interesting thing about using these tools of access consciousness is people start to get the awareness of change being a really cool thing, change always leading to greater, even if it seems painful at the start. And when people start to get that awareness in their lives, they start to be willing to have a totally different relationship with change itself, but also their capacity and willingness to have it and create it. You know, when when uh, people are working with the change and if they, um, you know, follow a lot of things in, in your books, uh, which I would highly encourage anybody to do, so that's uh, my scientific neuro uh, science principle there is uh, pick it up, read it, do it. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You're a pragmatist. I can <laughs> Yeah. So uh, one thing that, that I find, you know, really, 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 really fascinating is um, the concept of how you use, uh, and, and I may be misstating this a little bit, but uh, a clearing statement. So you, you oftentimes will uh, put out there, uh, will you destroy and uncreate uh, that now, uh, right and wrong, good, bad, uh, pot and pock, uh, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Uh, what is exactly the purpose of using that? Am I using it right as a clearing statement? I would say yes, absolutely. And the purpose or what you want to realize is like a lot of us have made choices in our lives that we wish we could go and take back. And what's funny is a lot of them we don't remember cognitively, but the energy of it is still with us. And so what happens is this clearing statement functions on the idea that 
you can make a different choice and your choice today can change a limited choice that you made in the past. And it's based on the idea, you know, like if you look at the room, the wall in the room you're in, it looks solid, but science tells us it's 99.9999999% space. It just looks really solid because of the way it's arranged and because of the particular perspective we're using in perceiving it. You know, if you went down to the subatomic level, it wouldn't look solid at all. You'd see everything moving in universes of its own, but we're looking from this other level. Well, what if it's the same thing? Same, same thing. Oh, I'm talking a different language now. Sorry. What if, what if it's the same thing? There goes my ADHD. What if it's the same thing with the issues in our lives where they look solid because of the way we've arranged them and because of the perspective we've taken about it? And what if there's a way, and so basically what this clearing statement is, a way of going back to the point of creation, which is the POC in that clearing statement, go to the point of creation of wherever you took that perspective on as the way, the only way to look at this wall and change it. And if you change that, is it possible the wall would disappear for you? And that's what we see is thousands of limitations disappearing with one of these clearing statements. Whereas before, be, for me, before access, I used to do visualization to try to change things. And what I found was if I could go back to the furthest point that I could find, the if I could get back to the closest thing to the time the person originally made the decision that created the limitation, then the whole thing would unlock. If I could actually get the the actual point of creation of that limitation. Well, and that sometimes took 45 minutes for one tiny part of one issue. With this, we can clear thousands of points of creation of one issue with one question and one sentence. So, hence the clearing statement. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, from <clears throat> uh, my scientific perspective, I talk a lot about this thing called the thalamic gate. Inside the brain, deep down in the center, there's this almond-shaped thing called the thalamus. And the thalamus regulates a lot of the uh, frequencies uh, going on in the brain and uh, in the body. So outside of a or, – or let me back up just a little bit here. At the top of the thalamus, uh, there uh, are a set of what we call reticular cells that allow cells to bind to the another organ and create another structure, other cells that we call axonal columnar cells – that then move up through the subconscious part of our brain into the cortex, the thinking part of our brain, and comes out in, at the top center of our head. Uh, many uh, cultures know that as the crown chakra. But uh, the point being that when, <clears throat> when I look at this statement we were talking about, a clearing statement, out here in the, <clears throat> the field, <clears throat> excuse me, and we have this... Uh, uh, element of the morphogenetic field or our relationship and interaction with that, then we have uh, frequencies that are oscillating at, at very high frequencies in, in the universe, and that energy can come down through the thalamic gate into the thalamus, and then it becomes resonation. It begins to resonate in our body, and the information and uh, energy that is coming down through there then gets into the cells and begins to uh, coordinate what goes on in the body. So a statement like that that, that clears, you know, can, can we undo that sort of thing? Um, any, anything that we uh, would like to go back and have a do-over, if you will, that we have control over that information so the thoughts 
that are within us come up through that thalamic gate, interact with the oscillations of the uh, morphogenetic field, and uh, vice versa, information from the field comes back in, and we have that uh, connection uh, with the, the body. And so I think it's important that people understand a little bit of the quantum physics of how that process actually takes place. And here again, I'm uh, telling you how to build a watch, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, for me personally, that was beautiful because what I saw is what I've seen with Access and what we do. And now I understand how it has its physiological ramifications. Because I've watched people, you know, it's like I've seen Dane work on somebody and they get off the table and where before they were limping, it's gone. I personally have had the experience of getting off the table and my feet, instead of being pigeon-toed, were duck-footed. So, yeah. But that makes me understand. That gives me the, the understanding of it, the scientific element of it, which shows the physiological actualization of what occurs. And that was wonderful. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, great. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, the, understanding that relationship between uh, the body and what goes on outside the body, that we, we literally are vibrational beings living in a vibrational universe. And um, uh, uh, once we get that concept of, you know, that those things happen and that we have uh, uh, a lot of control over what goes on with us, we begin to understand not only uh, how energetic healing uh, takes place. And uh, in the next segment, I want to talk about, you know, some of the research and how we, what we did and uh, with access consciousness and so forth. So uh, this is a little bit of a, a, a reveal of uh, that research that we did for several months and, and put a lot of um, energy and, and time into that. And now we've uh, gotten through uh, processing the data and we're in the write-up phase. And I got to tell you, it's pretty exciting so, um, there are many, many things that I think are about to change in the world out there as far as us, the average individual, understanding how the universe works. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, yes, definitely. And, you know, it would seem that we are right on the verge of that occurring in a really, really big way at this point. It's like the universe is moving forward in some way. The planet is, the people are, and our consciousness is. Pretty soon, yeah. I, we're going to become our own Big Bang. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think we are approaching that, uh, that we might call critical mass, that we are, uh, for so long, uh, people like myself we have, and, and you guys uh, have been working independently, um, people uh, amassing a lifetime of, working with whatever science they work with and uh, uh, healers that have been working with people for many, many years and doing this in kind of an isolated format. And now we're all coming together in communities and seeing that how that is taking place and, and, be, and information is being shared and transferred and uh, I want to talk uh, a lot more about that. Let's take a little break here. You're listening to Help, My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice American Empowerment Channel. Yeah. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior, as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. Do you feel alone? Even when you're surrounded by others, do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with my guests, uh, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. And uh, we've been discussing a lot about uh, the brain and how it works and the uh, elements of uh, ask and you shall receive and so forth. But um, back when we first met and, we, and I started to see the, uh, the power of what was going on with uh, the, the bars and we had some discussion about, you know, where, where does it go from here and decided that we would uh, – put together a research project, but um, in, in that initial discussion, my thoughts were, you know, if, if we're going to do this, uh, we have to do this research at, at the very highest level because if we find what I think we're going to find when we do that research, uh, it's, it's going to turn a lot of heads. And it's going to be very profound in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine at this point. And, and so we put that together, and we also got involved what's called an IRB, an Institutional Review, Review Board, uh, in order to add another le- level of credibility to this research. Um, somebody who overviews uh, all of the procedures and what we do and how we 
do it and claims that we're making so that we're not, you know, we have to uh, prove and justify essentially everything that we say and do and and then the results that we have so that uh, we wanted to put ourselves under that kind of scrutiny. And uh, so the this research that we've been doing for several months now in different cities uh, and measuring that I think becomes uh, a, a really interesting proposition and maybe people would like to know uh, why were you willing to go to those lengths to uh, to create uh, a scientific explanation of some of this? Well, for me personally, it's like when you showed what kind of um, coherence was created with the brain by doing the bars and how it actually stimulated a greater a greater uh, right brain, left brain usage. It's like that to me was like, now that's what I've always seen, but nobody could tell me how it was possible. And I think we just had to wait for science to catch up to what we were doing in a way in which it could prove what we were doing. And and we had to wait for you, apparently. Yes. You know, it's <laughs> like I remember sitting on that stage at the Secret Knock and while you were describing, and we hadn't heard before, and we were we were on our way to the airport. We were both going to facilitate classes in two different places. And so we were literally bags packed, just about ready to go downstairs. And Alan, I actually had to change my shirt so I could match a jacket I was wearing. <laughs> <And> <laughs> no longer travel look. We're yes. on stage look now. Yeah. We have to change things around, see. And, um, and, you know, and we get this call, you're needed on stage now. now. And we're like, <laughs> okay. You know, I love that about Alan. She could do now in a text <laughs> with a level of intensity that almost knocks you down. True story. So, yep. you know, and we go down and we get on stage with you and you're presenting these findings. And I, I remember crying up there at one point while laughing at the same time <laughs> as you talked about coherence and how this created that. And, and I know, wanted to dance. And, and we high-fived up there because it was like, finally, Finally, someone who is not just receiving this, going, wow, I feel better, my life changed. Well, finally, somebody who's scientifically showing some of the basis of this and how it actually affects our physiology and how that also impacts you know, our spiritual and conscious yeah. and living reality. But when, when I started this, there was no way there was any science that could actually prove it. You know, without your, you know, your neural uh, scientific system it's like there would have been no way to prove what was going on yeah so. we we found some very interesting uh, things as we were uh, working with the irb um, we would send information in to them and they would come back with questions like um, we, we don't quite understand this kind of looks like you're trying to measure a, a ghost or a spirit <laughs> or, or god and we're going yeah and the point is what <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and so they didn't quite understand it. We had to get very deep into this. Normally, uh, you can get IRB approval for doing a human subjects research project in about a couple of weeks, you know, with, with most things that they deal with. And it took us nine weeks to, to get this through because we we would send back information and they would come back with questions and 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 we had to prove the scientific rigor of this, and so we were getting down into, well, you, you see, there are these these uh, things in the cells called the mitochondria, and there is a relationship between the microtubules, and that creates 
that relationship creates the biophotonic energy, and we are measuring the biophotonic energy with this thing called a, a gas discharge visualization that shoots a 10 millivolt uh, thing into your finger when you put it on the camera, and then we can measure the energy patterns in, in the body. And, I mean, we had to get really, really, really detailed, but that helped us a lot to get more focused yeah. as we um, uh, then had to create the protocol for uh, we're going to do this, then next we do that, and, and so on. And so uh, uh, Terry Hope, uh, who happens to be a uh, certified uh, BARS facilitator, um, uh, and she's kind of funny. She was helping us put the protocol together and working with the IRB to to help them get better explanations of, of what it was we were trying to measure. And she put a, a huge amount of work into uh, being able to articulate that in a way, you know, because Terry had worked with us uh, with the advanced meditators and so forth for uh, two and a half, three years now, ever since we started that. And, and so... She told me, she says, you know, I, I, I tried to talk to you about this two years ago, uh, and, <laughs> and I wasn't even ready to hear about it, you know, and, and then we got very deep into this project, and <clears throat> as we went from city to city, we, we did measures in, in Denver, in Phoenix, and in Houston, and uh, we had a, a lot of terrific participation uh, with people in uh, uh you know, having uh, the protocol, would we would have a giver and a receiver. So the giver was the person running the bars. And if I can set this up for people to understand uh, what actually went on, that uh, we would go in with this equipment and, and use this little device called a Sputnik. And uh, it, it, it looks like a marble with a bunch of spikes on it sitting on a tripod. And it's only about eight inches high. And so when we show people pictures of it and then they see it for real, it's like, oh, it looks so much smaller. Mm. But the purpose of the Sputnik is uh, we would, the room that we were going to be doing uh, the scientific recordings in, uh, we would go in an hour and a half before they were supposed to begin and start to measure the energy in the room. And so uh, we would uh, run... Um, captures of the energy in the room every three seconds. And so it would take about 1,800 captures in order to uh, uh, get that reading so that later on in the protocol when the giver was running the bars with the receiver, the Sputnik was also uh, picking up the energy in the room there. So basically looking to see if there was some sort of change in energy uh, between the giver and the receiver, and uh, we found some pretty astonishing things. The uh, the other thing that went on is we have this uh, wireless headgear, um, and so the giver would be wearing the headgear, so we're measuring their uh, brain functions while they are executing the bars. Uh, also, we would uh, do a, a GDV scan both before... Uh, they ran the bars and then after, as well as doing a brain map on both the giver and the receiver before and after. So uh, we had uh, you know, a lot of data uh, that was there in order to uh, uh, see what was going on. It, and it, it was a little bit like, you know, you would imagine an operating theater where the lights were low while we were doing this. 
and you hear this beep, beep, beep every, every three seconds as the Sputnik was capturing the energy in the room and then they're facilitating the bars. But uh, kind of a, a very neat scenario uh, and, and very scientific, uh, very stringent in what we did and how we went about it. And, and we will explain a lot of that in the, in the paper that comes out. But I wanted to give people a little bit of a sense of of that research and, and how it came about. Um, cool. I have to ask a question. Sure. What does IRB stand for? Institutional Review Board. Okay, thank you. And then there was another three-letter thing you said just a few minutes ago that I didn't understand what that was either. The GDV? Yeah. Yeah, What's Gas that? Discharge Visualization. Ah, thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah. now I understand more of what you said. Yeah, so so with with that with the GDV device, it, it, there is a it, it. Some people understand Carilion photography. Yeah, uh, and, and this is a little bit different than that. Uh, Dr. Konstantin Karakov is uh, the one that developed uh, this device, and uh, he studied uh, with the Carilions uh, and uh, and got some of the semblance of what needed to be done, but. There's a camera, and you put your fingers in this little thing. You know, you almost expect it's like a little hood that sits over the top of the camera, and there are these flanges that are in there to, to block out the light, and, and you almost feel like, you know, maybe there's a mouse in there that's going to bite your finger when you stick it in. But you put your finger on the lens of the camera, and it then emits a 10-millivolt uh, charge of electricity, and, and you don't feel anything. 10 millivolts is, is very, very, very small. So we're not electrocuting people while we're doing this. But uh, that discharge of energy then uh, causes the gas discharge to occur within the fingers. And then it captures that information and is able to then translate that into uh, the energy fields of the body and of the uh, uh, so the the measures that we take, we can line that up with what kind of energy are in the chakra centers, and see if people are, if their energy centers or their chakra centers are out of alignment, and then uh, what changes occur uh, as a result of experiencing the bars and so forth. So uh, we're really really excited now that we've uh, been able to analyze this, and and I have to give kudos to my uh, team here. Uh, my daughter, Lindsay Anderson, uh, kind of led the charge on, on uh, processing a lot of this stuff. And, and uh, uh, Lisa Roy, uh, my executive assistant, has been very instrumental with this. And uh, Judy Stivers and, uh, and also uh, Melissa Waterman, who has helped us with a lot of the, the GDV stuff. And they put in a lot of hours in organizing, collating, and processing this data. So we're, we are looking forward to uh, releasing that very, very, very soon in just a, a matter of a few weeks here as we get that written up. Yay. Yay. Very exciting for us, let me tell you. Yeah. We're all looking forward to it because, you know, we've all done it. We've all done the bars and done the stuff and had amazing results with, in our own lives and with other people. And to actually have the science show why it works is going to be just an amazing gift. Thank yeah. you so much for doing this. 
Yeah, well, we've actually added this service to what we offer here in our clinic because it is that powerful. Wow, so, thank you. I would like to uh, thank my guests, uh, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here, for taking time out of their very busy schedules to be with us today. And uh, we look forward to having uh, another episode, an interesting episode of Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the show this week. Please join Dr. Jeffrey Fannin again for another edition of Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week possible. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.